What number is this, Chip? Episode 59. Good times is here. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. to a very special episode of Zilch. I am Ken Mills, one of your Zilch podcast hosts here, and today we are joined by Jeff Hewlett. Hey guys, I got my sun cream and my beach volleyball, and I hope one of you remembered to bring the summer because it's really cold here in Jersey. <laughs> Sarah Clark. Got my pink party hat on in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Melanie Mitchell. I've run out of metaphors, but I'm awfully glad to talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Craig Cohen. Hey, Ken, I'm just thinking about uh, heading down south to Monterey. Oh, that sounds good. You know, it's a great day because finally, Good Times, the Monkey's new album, is out. You can buy it. You're downloading this episode. You may have picked it up. Or you can download this episode and take us in the car as you go to pick it up. We will be playing some, some bits from the album. And we also have some great news. Fred Velez, boy, he's he's a happy fellow. Not only is Good Times coming out, but Fred got married last weekend. So congratulations to Fred and his lovely wife, Linda. We extend a hearty hey-hey from us to a long life, and, and we love you. That's awesome. Congratulations, Fred and Linda. Yes. Hello. And now our special guest, our favorite rhino. Welcome John Hughes from Rhino. Hey, what's up, Zilt Nation? And uh, I would like our crew here to not hold back just because the executive producer is on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. John, can you tell us what's going on today down at Amoeba? Yeah, it is a uh, listening party and a kickoff party and a record release party for good times. And it's going to be very cool. Uh, it's happening at all three Amoebas, the Amoeba in Los Angeles, the Amoeba in Berkeley, and the San Francisco location. What is really cool is there will be uh, lots of games, trivia questions, and prizes, along with free uh, exclusive collectible gifts with purchase, uh, including, and this is the best, the Monkey's Adult Coloring Book. Mm-hmm. Adult in the uh, in the innocent sense of the word. Yes. There's nothing dirty in it. Yes. And tote bags. Just lots of really cool Good Times uh, swag when you buy Good Times at Amoeba. And if you're in L.A., please come to the Los Angeles one because I'll be hosting it and answering questions. And I want to see every single person from Zilch there. And I'm going to ask when I'm up on that stage who's there from Zilch. And when you raise your hand, who knows what might happen. (gasps) Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> you know, you've kind of made that catchphrase uh, something that if, if this were a 70s TV show, every time you'd say it, the audience would start laughing and applauding. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. I keep waiting for the applause. So uh, we have to ask you, 
your favorite song and your least favorite song on Good Times. Oh, God, you would do that to me, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Um, That's super tough. I'm going to take a page from the Adam Schlesinger book and say, they're all my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me choose. (laughs) Wow. I will say I have leanings. I wouldn't say they're my favorites, but I do have leanings towards Adam's song, Our Own World, because it's just so, I mean, I listen to that and I think it's a, a cutout cereal box record from Honeycomb. I mean, I love that song, and I love and I love the guitar solo in it. And of course, me and Magdalena is just another plane, just another level for the monkeys. So I'm just those are my two that I lean towards. I won't say they're my favorites. Least favorite, um, not on this album. <laughs> <laughs> you cheater, you. Uh, yep. Jeff Hewlett, I know that there's something you would like to say at the beginning of this. Oh, wow. Well, put me on the spot. I'm a little, uh, little nervous, uh, John. Nice to finally get to talk to you. Don't uh, be nervous. I only can destroy lives. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I just, uh, you know, I, I said on the show before that, uh, you know, the, the Monkees uh, were a pretty special band for me back in the 80s when, um, when the whole resurgence happened. And they were my first favorite band. And I'm, I'm kind of humbled to be sitting here right now. Uh, and I, I think that... Um, just to think that I've been fortunate enough to receive an opportunity to talk about this record uh, before it came out. If you told me back in 86 that this would be happening, I definitely would not have believed you. So uh, I just want to say a, a, a heartfelt thanks for uh, allowing us to do this. This is fantastic. Sure, and I don't want to try to one-up you, but try being in the same position and then producing an album. Uh, yeah, that, you definitely one-up me there, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, because John, who's a fellow fan, he never thought that this was ever going to happen. Seriously, it's been a long road, and uh, it's just amazing that the day is finally here. I'm pinching myself. Well, pinch no longer. Put on the pink party hat, and we're going to jump into this. Craig Cohen, what would you like to talk about? Hi, John. Hey. Um, When the album was done, and you had the tracks that were going to be the final tracks for the album, not including bonus tracks and anything like that, how did you guys figure out what the track listing was going to be? That was tough. I'm going to say that, and with all honesty, that was the toughest part of the whole process because we felt so strongly about every song. Uh, and, and I'm not speaking just about uh, myself and Adam. I'm speaking about the monkeys themselves, too. And it was really tough. And there were some pretty, I wouldn't say heated, but, but intense conversations about the track listing. And the challenge we had, you know, the easy thing to do is to sit back and go, oh, put them all on there. It's the CD age. Who cares? Or it's the streaming age. Who cares? We really, uh, and I would say Adam really wanted to make this a, a traditional Monkees album in the sense that it's less than 40 minutes. It's bam, 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 here are the songs, and then it's out. Uh-huh. And I had to agree with him there. And so it was tough. I mean, I think Andrew Sandoval mentioned it last time he was on Zilch. The one track that we all loved, and unfortunately, you know, we had to we had to make some room somewhere. Was terrifying the Zach Road tra- Road mm-hmm. track, and you know that's still a heartbreaker that it's not on the album proper. But you know, I think ultimately Adam was right, and it's it's a great album the way it is now. But you know, digital age, streaming age, you can do what you want. Make your own track list. Right. Right. Awesome. That was my biggest heartbreak, by the way, is I'm a huge Rogue Wave fan, so I was kind of heartbroken by that. Oh, you're really going to be heartbroken when you hear it. 
Ugh. In a good way. Well, it's still out there. It's in the ether. And it's going to have... I, I'll give you an exclusive, Zilchers. How's that? Okay. Record Store Day, Black Friday. Look for a terrifying 7-inch. Ooh. 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 Wouldn't nice. that... Hey, I'm not going to say it. You go ahead. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> and the B-side will make you even happier, but I have to save some surprises. Mm-hmm. Now, over here is our lovely TV girl, Melanie Mitchell. She uh, she was surprised to be included in on this because she normally just sticks to the TV thing, and uh, it was a thrill to add her as well. Melanie, what would you like to ask, John? I was astonished to be included. I've never been part of a... a music discussion on Zilch before so uh, it's a little intimidating but uh, inspiring as well and I really appreciate the opportunity um, also sort of following up on Craig's question I was interested um, in the order of the songs on the CD um, you've got five of Mickey's songs you know singing for lead right up front and then later on the CD you've got Davy Peter Mike Peter Mike sort of clustered together and I was wondering if there was some plan involved as far as how the songs were sequenced. Absolutely intentional, but not for the reason you're thinking. It wasn't let's put all the Mickey stuff up front. If you listen to the songs themselves, take out who's singing. Remove that from your equation entirely. Think about the songs. You've got this really powerful bam, 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 bam all the way through side one. And then you have this kind of Dinomé, Dinomé, someone help me here. Denouement. Thank you. Denouement. Oh, Denny, Denny Mott, he lives down the street. (laughs) (laughs) As Pee Wee Herb would say, blah, blah, blah. Uh, (laughs) With me and Magdalena at the end of side one. And then again, side two, we're, we're saying sides because that's how we're thinking with this album. Right. Uh, and you'll, it'll be really obvious on the vinyl. Side two starts off with whatever's right. Bam, here you go again. And then it takes you. So when you go on to side two after whatever's right, you know the classic Monkeys albums. Side two kind of takes you on a little trip. Think of all the classic songs that have been on side two of Monkeys albums. Magnolia Sims. Uh, you know, I, they're blanking right now in my head, but you have these really trippy things that happen on side two. And it just so happened that some of the trippier aspects were vocals by the other um, vocalists in the Monkees uh, outside of Mickey. So don't think, oh, all the Mickey stuff is heavy at the front. Think of all the energy is up front, and then we take you on a trip. And James Grant, who is going to be on a future episode of Zilch with an interview with Peter Tork, said that the album is somewhat like energy to experience. That's how he sums it up. That is an awesome way to, to explain it, and that's absolutely the intention. Not so, too. Sarah? Hi, John. It's wonderful to finally speak to you in person. Um, this is just blowing away. Uh, it, if 10-year-old me knew that, it, that I would be having this conversation right now, I, I'm not sure she could quite contain herself. But um, my question... If 10-year-old me knew he was going to be talking to Sarah, he'd go, what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my question is this. During the journey of making this album, 
what did you learn about the monkeys, either individually or as a band? Oh, that's a good one. I, it, it, you know, I can say that they are 300 times more talented than I thought they were. And I always knew they were hugely talented. That's why uh, Rhino really wanted to do this project. And we've always been hugely supportive of the guys. But then getting in the studio with them, hearing their, their input and watching them work, it was like, wow, these guys are pros. And yeah, they better be. They've been doing it for 50 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and we forget that. It, there's never really been a lot of downtime for these three guys. So whether it's individual solo projects or monkeys-related projects, these guys, they got the goods. And I'm so glad that some of the uh, more mainstream media that has kind of looked down their noses at them, they're starting to come around. And, and they know what we already knew. But... Mm -hmm. You guys suspect it as well, but let me tell you, it's even more talent than you even suspect. Wow. Agreed. agreed. Wow. Cool. And, and this week we've seen Rolling Stone post a really nice review of the album. And what, what, Rob Schiffield's our guy, man. Yeah, yeah. That, that's amazing. What was that tweet he, he put out there? Uh, Andy Green tweeted. Uh, he's another big supporter uh, of the Monkees. Uh, Andy Green tweeted out that, me and Magdalena is not only the best monkey song since the 60s, but it's one of their best songs ever. And I agree with that. And I'll tell you, it was it was really cool that you allowed us to have access to this so that we could have this show up on the day of the release. So I have to ask the group, and anyone jump in, best album since Pisces? Oh, Well, that that's kind of hard for me because I really dig Head. You yeah. Know. Oh, good, good. But I will um, tell you this, that as soon as I got done listening to it three times in a row the other night, I went right to Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys, and it seemed to fit mm -hmm. right in that slot like you could have dropped the album right there. Oh, totally. Jeff? Yeah. Uh, I will also concur. I, I, I'm a huge Birds, Bees fan and Head, so I would say best album since Head. There you go. I'll take it. Me too. <laughs> Sarah? Definitely the best album since Head. I, I, I need to actually listen to Good Times and Head back to back because I think it might be better, the best thing since Pisces, but I don't want to make that call right now in the you know first blush of enthusiasm. Ah, uh, the bloom of the rose. Craig exactly. Cohen? I will agree with you, John. I, I, I do think it is their best album since Pisces. Awesome. I'm biased, so you know. Right. Melanie Mitchell. I'm TV girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. It certainly belongs in the 60s frame of mind. Totally. Not unlike some of the, you know, the pool it and justice kind of things. It, it's, it, it, it really does feel like a time travel. It does. It does. And I don't know if anyone picked up on this, but the last track, it starts the album over again because it's about good times again. I was I was there and I was told I had a good time. So it kind of like starts it back up again, which takes us back to head again, where everything goes in a circular kind of repeating kind of thing. Mm. Oh, yep. I was thinking bookends, but that works too. Yeah, me too. Yep. But yeah, you're on to something. All the best monkeys albums have that cyclical thing going on. And when you see the end in sight, the beginning may arrive. Exactly. <laughs> See, folks, this guy is a fan. He's not just a, a corporate shill. He's, he's, he's doing oh, that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
let's not play. I'm both. (laughs) When I listen to that, um, I was there and I'm told I had a good time. I hear what sounds to me like the beginning of a different album. Um, It sounds a little bit like the beginning of Sgt. Pepper. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. There's there's some voices and then there's that bum, 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 bum. And I'm just waiting for that da-da-da-da sound. I got to tell you, that reminds me of of a couple of uh, stories, a couple of stories making the album that were just accidental moments that ended up being on the album. Mm -hmm. That absolutely Mickey dropping his stick while playing. (laughs) And we just thought, that's where the song needs to end. Oh, absolutely. That's the perfect ending. Yeah, and then uh, in you bring the summer. Uh, Peter giggling was actually Peter giggling during the song, and we thought we have to add that. And and Mike fooling around uh, with the backing vocals, going baby, and, you know, being funny. <laughs> We're like, hey, let's keep that. That's great. Very cool. Very cool. So it's an exciting day. You're uh, you're ready to head out to to one of the Amoeba events. And... I'm out the door, guys. I got a split. Well, I, I saw you had a pink party hat, or you were just happy to see me. I know we have ours on. Uh, <laughs> so we want to thank you for letting us have this release party, and we want to thank you for the coloring books and all the cool stuff, and uh, we'll be coloring uh, as we listen to the album later. John, seriously, thank you for everything from the bottom of our hearts. You know, when Craig, Craig and Jeff and I started this, we had no idea that the guy from Rhino would be here and that any of this was going to happen. And, you know, you heard us talk about the Blu-ray and you were thinking, man, wait till you guys find out, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I was lurking. Yeah, he was was in traffic listening to us on the podcast going, oh, if they only knew, you know. If they only knew. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. (laughs) Well, have have a great day and happy Good Times Day. All right, brother. We'll see you. Bye. 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 Take care, John. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. And and take some time out and monkey around, and we're going to talk about good times. Holy shit, that just happened. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you one thing about this album. It's it's really scary how good it is. You know what's really scary, Ken? Is you can't say on the Zilch podcast. (laughs) So here we go. It's time to tear into Good Times proper, the 13-track edition of Good Times. Jeff Hewlett, what do you think of this album overall? Wow. So I think, you know, I got the feeling as I was listening to it, I've got, I think I lost count of how many times I've listened to it since I've had it, but I felt like a lot of care went into making sure this felt like a monkey's album. So, I mean, we pool it and, and Justice may have had their merits here and there. And I think everybody on the show and, and a lot of the Zilch audience knows that I'm I am the consummate Poolit apologist. So I've gotten <laughs> many uh, Poolit conversations, uh, but but neither one of neither one of those last two records, Poolit or um, or Justice, felt as monkeys quote unquote as Good Times does to me. So um, you know I I really love how it en- encompasses the the multiple styles that that were kind of the signatures of monkeys albums you know you had your pop you got your country you got your mellow you even got a little bit of experimental proggy type stuff mixed in um i think um adam did a phenomenal job mixing and producing the record it sounds great from beginning to end and i've tried listening to it on 
several different mediums. So my good stereo at home, my crappy car stereo, my decent headphones, my crappy headphones. So and it, it always sounds sounds pretty good. And you know, it's, it's kind of a challenge to, to produce an album that works that well. And I, can I just say, I, I hope everybody feels the same way that I do, that I think Peter's two lead vocals in this album are awesome. I mean, in the sincerest compliment, I, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but I think he's really aged into his voice. He's got like this kind of older folk singer vibe going on, and it's super charming, and it's super honest. And I just, I wish we could go back in time and dig up all the Peter stuff that he tried to do back in the Monkees days that never made it out and just have him do it all now. And mm. I think that would make a really phenomenal album. So John Hughes, if you're listening to this, here's an idea down the road. Go get all the Peter stuff out of the archive and just have him re-record it today. Someone else had an idea on the Facebook page today. They mentioned that it would be cool if they took all the artwork that we've been seeing as they release each single and and take all the songs and make a box set 45 box set version of Good Times. So you would have uh, two songs on each side. And, you know, it would be pretty interesting to see that done. It's an interesting concept. Might be an exclusive for Record Store Day or something. So while we're throwing ideas out there, Sarah Clark, your overall thoughts. We first got word of this album. We were excited, but I think it's safe to say that we were also, well, I was nervous about it. Pulit and Justice, I liked those because they were new albums that came out in times when the monkeys were really important to me. But as albums, I wasn't sure how well they stood up to repeated plays. But, oh man, this Good Times. I have been playing this nonstop and it is just a solid album. It's not just a good monkeys album. It's a good album, period. The fact that they managed this with this blend of old songs and new songs to create something that really stands together as a whole, I mean, it's it's just, I, I, I mean, it's almost miraculous in its way. It's it's um, I've been really amazed at how well it stands up in all the broad, different kinds of musical styles that are included in it too. To me, it's been like having a musical time machine, and I just appreciate how very much it sounds like the music I grew up with and the music I love. Um, also, it's just great sing-along music. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been learning the words and, and doing a lot of singing along in the last couple of days. Craig Cohen, your thoughts? Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we did our little roundtable on uh, She Makes Me Laugh, I expressed concern about the album being too fun and upbeat. Uh, I'm really pleased with the fact that we got such a well-rounded album from the boys so that's my that was my immediate takeaway and I just want to sort of piggyback on Jeff's statement about the overall sound of the album Adam Schlesinger did do a tremendous job and I would go one step further Jeff and say that this is the best sounding monkeys album ever wow 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 bold statement bold coming on strong there with the Cohen wow <laughs> all right well I don't think Lock out with your Cohen out <laughs> oh! Well, I guess it's time to get into the cover. Melanie Mitchell, what are your thoughts on the cover? And you've seen the the booklet. And for those who haven't seen it yet, there's a photo on the back. And there's a modern-day picture of Mickey, Michael, and Peter in separate little boxes. And then there's another box of Davy Jones from, I'd say, 67, 68. And it it almost is like the, the back of headquarters where it shows them in the studio. 
there's that great picture of Davy, and it really touched my heart. Melanie, what are your thoughts of the artwork and the booklet and stuff like that? Well, that specifically that group of four photos on the back of the booklet, I noticed that all four of them are studio pictures from the making of Good Times. That is to say, Mickey, Michael, and Peter's yes. photos. And there's a detail in the background of each of those pictures. It's some kind of decorative poster or, or something. It's just a, a series of circles on a yeah. dark background. But you can see it in the background of all three photos just to show they were all in the same place. Mm. Um, not necessarily at the same time, but all in the same place, and they're all playing instruments in those photos. And then the picture of Davy is very similar in tone and composition, even though it's from you know many years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice set. The booklet is wonderful. It has the lyrics for all of the songs, but there's also for most of the songs there's a little quote from either the songwriter or the producer or one of the uh, musicians, one of the singers just expressing their feelings about the whole project that just makes it so much more wonderful. And I know Sarah's probably already got stickers on her face or on the side of her fridge or something or side of her computer because the the, uh, the CD comes with a little sticker sheet and it's really cool. Sarah, your thoughts? I haven't stuck them up yet because I haven't exactly figured out where I'm going to stick them on my microphone because that's probably where I'm going to, some of them are going to live. I liked... <laughs> All the things that uh, were mentioned already about the photos, but I loved the little, you're going to see them, they're like little pen and watercolor drawings in these pastel uh, shades that are just kind of uh, strewn throughout the books. They're just these little doodles that sort of fit whatever the particular song is. And art direction and design by Rory Wilson, and the cover art was done by Jonathan Lane. I don't know who these folks are, but they did a wonderful job of kind of capturing the spirit of the album, and it's just kind of fun to flip through this as you're uh, listening to the CD. Yeah, it's very cool. Did you notice that the photos, it says Henry Diltz, except for Davy Jones's photo, courtesy of Andrew Sandoval? Yeah. So it's cool I did notice that. They got the band together with him, too. You know, they, <laughs> they brought yeah. him back, so that's very cool. Craig Cohen, your thoughts? I think it's it's a really uh, cool album cover and, and package overall. I mean, I know we we've analyzed the album covers as we've been doing our our roundtables, and this one is is really unique in how busy it is and how many different images come to mind or stories come to mind as you look at individual images. So this for me is an album cover that uh, will really sort of deliver surprises. Um, the more uh, I take it off the shelf and look at it. Mm -hmm. And it also has us wondering what the album will be like because we all have the CDs, so. (laughs) Yes. Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts? Well, I was a little bit shaky on the album cover until I realized that in the upper right-hand corner of the cover is the UFO that the Frotus came to Earth in, so (laughs) I can't Mm -hmm. not like this cover now. (laughs) Because the fact that there's so many things they could have picked up on through, from the show to put on this cover, the fact that the Frodo's UFO made it, that that's just charms the pants off me. So, uh, hey, see, and my that... pants are actually off right now. Oh, dear. I thought that was the Slotnik UFO. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, know, I have to go back and watch those now. The, Ditto. Uh, the back cover, I, I really... It's it's very charming. I I love the fact that they've got a nice picture of Davy in there, and it it, it looks like uh, I don't want to jump into the album too much yet, but uh, the song that they they put on the album, the Davy song, is spectacular. Um, 
And it just gives you a really great feel to see all of them in the studio, even though they weren't necessarily there together. It just gives a cohesive feel, and it lets you kind of know that there's something really special that involves all the guys coming when you listen to the record. Because I mean, if you listen to an album like Pool It, one of the big things was, like, you know, everybody wasn't together, and it wasn't, the, you know, so you have this, this feel like it's an actual Monkees album, and everyone's represented. It really sounds unified in not only uh, as a band, but in their personalities. And and I mean their real life personalities, not just right. the, from the TV show. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. So let's get into it. Our first song is Good Times, written by Harry Nielsen. And it's very interesting because occasionally they'll use uh, some studio bits from back in the 60s, and they will, for example, in Good Times, it was recorded January 10th, 1968, and in February 2016. You know, it's hard to believe that it was like two weeks ago this album was being mixed. I know. Yeah. And it's in our hands. It's amazing, amazing. Personnel on the album is Mickey Dolenz on vocal, Harry Nielsen on vocals and piano, Michael Nesmith on guitar, Adam Schlesinger on guitar, Rick Day on bass, Eddie Ho on drums. There's a good time coming on, I can feel it in my bones. We're gonna jump to the left, right, tear down, loop it up All starting at the county line There's a good time coming on I can feel it in my bones Said a good time coming on I can tell it won't be long Till there's dancing in the streets again And music everywhere There'll be people wanting people Sarah, would you like to take the lead on Good Times? Mickey does such a good job of interacting with Harry's vocals that, I mean, it's hard to believe that this was a track that was completed you know, 48 years apart of the two vocals. It, it's it's amazing how well he did that. You would think they were just standing in the same room. And also, when we think of Harry Nielsen's Monkey songs, we think of kind of these more sweet tart kind of things, like, you know, Daddy Song, Cuddly Toys, stuff like that. And this is just... This is just a fun track, and uh, as as a longtime Eddie Ho fan, it was wonderful to get one more track with him on drums, and I sort of wish he was still around to hear it. Absolutely, and, and I know Craig Cohen was worried that the Monkees were going to re-record the theme song from Good Times. Craig, all <laughs> fears never needed to be. What are your thoughts on Good Times? 
Yeah, it's it's a good opening track. I was a little sort of put off by the fact that it started with a duet between a, a monkey and a non-monkey. And I do have to compliment Mickey on uh, syncing up with Harry's vocal. But I do think that that vocal suffers a little bit, or, or Harry's vocal suffers a little bit from the technology at the time, or maybe the fact that it wasn't really being established as a final vocal. So... I, I I would have liked it if it was a little cleaner, but once I got past those issues, it is a good, nice rocking tune to open the album with. I also thought that in an alternate world where maybe Harry was still alive, we were able to get a version of this song where all of the monkeys took a verse, which uh, I think would have been a really cool, unique thing to do. Agreed. Melanie Mitchell. I really like the idea of it, Mickey singing together with a dear friend. I'm not sure if that was really communicated very well to somebody who isn't listening to the podcast you know who that other person is and why it's so important Mm. and special Mm -hmm. but i think it also by having harry nielsen's voice on the cd it kind of lends a level of legitimacy to the later inclusion of davy's voice Mm. Hmm. you're right excellent point melanie yeah that they're sort of setting up the idea that this is a blend of back then plus now and it shouldn't be a surprise to hear the voice of somebody who's no longer with us on the cd or the drumming of somebody who's no longer with us for that matter am i correct that um mike nesmith produced the original tracking session that was used i'm trying to remember if i know at least one of the tracks on the cd the original 1968 track was was mike nesmith's production Hmm. So that's an interesting thing. The one thing I can't shake is how the lyrics sort of echo the Martha and the Vandellas song, Dancing in the Street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there are some lines in the song that are lifted directly from Dancing in the Street. I'm not wild about the song, but I like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts on Good Times? Well, I was going to mention, too, that I, I, I always have a thing for songs that make reference to other songs or uh, give a nod to other songs. So I, I like the fact that it does have some nods to uh, Dancing in the Street. And um, you know, this is a kind of a rougher, more raw kind of rocker feel for a monkey song for me. I, I do like it. Uh, I think Mickey does a great job, uh, as a couple of the other uh, panelists have said already he does a great job syncing up with uh, with Harry Nilsson's vocals so I, I think it comes off very well the blend is very good I think it's a great choice to lead off the album with because it kind of grabs your attention it's kind of one of those they kind of grab you by the collar and, and kind of let you know you're, you're what you're you're in for mm-hmm. and I, I love Mickey's versatility uh, this, if you compare this with the uh, some of the other performances of his that are coming right up after this it's it's very different yeah. So, uh, cool guitar break in the middle. Not my favorite song on the album, um, but still, I, I enjoy it as an intro. You know, interesting that you mentioned the instrumental break. I love it when, you know, because this was a scratch vocal that Harry Nielsen had put down. This wasn't a completed work. So, yeah. and it's great that Mickey matches him. He's kind of doing the same kind of vibe and and tone and feel. And I love it when uh, when when Harry Nielsen goes instrumental or, or what does he say he says that yeah yeah, yeah. 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 that's it and and then and then mickey like yells go harry 
it, you almost get the feeling they were in the same studio. And Mickey has has talked in interviews about how he kind of teared up while he was getting the chance to do this because how often do you get to sing a duet with someone after they've been gone and he misses his friend but what a what a great way to kick off the album it definitely lets you know you are in for some good times our next track is you bring the summer on lead vocal, Michael Nesmith on vocal and guitar, Peter Tork on vocals and organ, Mike Viola on guitar, Pete Min on guitar, Jody Porter on guitar, Adam Schlesinger on bass and keyboards, and Brian Young on drums and percussion, recorded in February and March of 2016. Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts on You Bring the Summer? Andy Partridge knocked it out of the park, I think. Lyrically, I really, really enjoy the song. It's got a great feel-good vibe, especially after coming off of uh, Good Times, which is a little bit more of a rocker. This is launches right into that signature monkeys, almost bubblegummy pop feel. I love the backing vocals. Uh, the hand claps are great. Um, Mickey, of course, sounds phenomenal here, as he does on the rest of the album as well. This track definitely felt more, you know, quote-unquote old monkeys to me. This this feels like it could have been something that was around in the monkeys slash more the monkeys days. And I I really like the mic popping up at the end with that kind of uh, deep, almost doo-wop baby at the end. It's really cool. Uh, I, I wasn't, I had a, I was a little wondering about that strange laughing sound at the end though. And uh, I was wondering what that, what the significance of that was. And maybe someday we can get an explanation of that. And Something else that I kind of thought about, and we were we were talking when we did our coverage of uh, "She Makes Me Laugh." We were talking, we were theorizing on what the possible meanings of the song could have been. Mm-hmm. Now, in the order of the songs in this record, this track and the next two tracks almost feel like they could have been about the same person. Ah, hmm. and it's weird because they're written by three different people. I know, right? Isn't that weird? Wow. So and- definitely high marks for me, though. Definitely high marks. I'll, I'll just say this up front. I think that the first five tracks are all romp-worthy. They could be substituted into episodes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Sarah yeah. Clark, your thoughts on You Bring the Summer? I'm going to start off by tattling on Ian Lee. Uh, right around the time that this album was announced uh, and all the everybody was lighting up the Twitterverse, he sent me an instant message because he's friends with Andy Partridge. And apparently Andy called him and played Ian the demo of this song mm-hmm. over the phone. 
And Ian said he was like standing in the middle of a shopping mall listening to this song on his phone and just weeping like a little kid. And and once I heard Ian tell me this, and I mean, seriously, Ian makes me look like a casual fan. Um, <laughs> I mean, once I Ian told me this story, I knew we were going to be okay on at least this one song. Um, I love that, that Brian Wilson esque, you know, psychedelic good vibrations change up on the outro and, you know, to Peter's uh, Peter's laugh at the end and Nez's baby. It's just, um, it reminded me a bit of Milkshake off of Stranger Things Has Happened, kind of how they come in on the on the outro of that. Uh, but excellent, excellent standout song and it was a great pick for a single. Very good. Craig Cohen, your thoughts on You Bring the Summer? This song took a little bit to grow on me, but overall it's, it's a really, really good catchy song and the the biggest takeaway from me was was the fact that this really sort of indicated that we were going to get a really good combination of voices on all the songs and some of the older monkeys albums we didn't really get true backing vocals from the from the rest of the guys but that's one of the biggest highlights of this entire album for me is you know hearing you know Mike and Peter singing back up to to Mickey um, and really being able to identify their voices and their parts. Very good. Melanie Mitchell, your thoughts on You Bring the Summer? One thing about it, um, one of the things that I associate with the really great Monkees songs, um, going back into the very first album through the end of the 60s, is the, the most of the really great ones have a really strong instrumental introduction. Mm-hmm. That was something that I noticed about Bring the Summer. Um, it, and there's one other song on the CD, which I'll mention later, I think have really strong instrumental hooks right at the start. And so that's what really made me feel I was listening to a real monkey song. The other thing was the hand claps. Yes. It made me laugh out loud when I heard that clap clap at the end of the lines. <laughs> it's just something so so sweet and effervescent and silly that I just I, I just loved about that. Very good, very good. I personally love this song. Like I said, it's it's romp worthy and the thing I love about this album is the guitars, the drums and the keyboards that are used. These are not I mean it sounds like vintage recordings almost. There's times that you'll hear the keyboards and you know that they went out and got an organ for it or a certain kind of organ as opposed to just like Oh, let's use this, you know, number 23 on the synthesizer. It's, it's, it sounds like the real deal in that respect. So I love this song. I think it's great, and it's, it, it really brings the youthful exuberance that we had once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, and, and Ken, that really speaks to what a producer needs to do and what Adam Schlesinger really brought to this project is, you know, the fact that he was a Monkees fan, but you can tell he also did go back and did his research and really tried to find the ingredients that make a Monkees album a Monkees album. And a lot of times people don't really know what producers do. And this is a, an album that I think really, you know, really illustrates how important a strong producer is to the success of an album. Agreed. And boy, it, it happened fast, just like the original albums were. You know, back in the old day, it was one and done and boom, out the door, back to the TV show. You know, absolutely amazing how fast they got this done. Like I said, two weeks ago, this was still being mixed. 
unbelievable. And now we dig out that classic from the days of old. What was it? Two, three weeks ago? She makes me laugh. <laughs> the year of the monkeys, folks. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's uh, it's a song off a new album that we've only heard three weeks ago. But Rhino's strategy and and giving us little pings from the album. It makes this one seem like, oh, remember that hit from last year? It's on this album, too. So here we are with She Makes Me Laugh. She makes me laugh. She makes me smile. And I could hang out with her all day and night. She makes me laugh. She makes me cry. And I would like to be with her forever. Melanie Mitchell, your thoughts on She Makes Me Laugh. Well, first of all, this is my favorite happy song on the CD. Mm, interesting um, that you say happy song. Would you explain yeah. that? No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Just hold no. that thought. Um, they released this and You Bring the Summer So Close Together, and I've, I've come to think of them as a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people prefer You Bring the Summer, but I much prefer She Makes Me Laugh. I am solidly in the father-daughter camp, even though I know that's imaginary. I think it works so well. Because the one thing I didn't like about She Makes Me Laugh was the uh, line, I'd like to stay with her for a while. Mm -hmm. Which I thought, when you're talking about a girlfriend, struck me as a very weak expression of affection. But when you turn it into a father-daughter situation, it it becomes much stronger because you can't hold on to a daughter forever. Right. Um, It's been my experience, you can't hold on to a girlfriend forever, so... You know. But you'd like to stay with her. I, yeah. <laughs> the, the line for all time would yeah. have fit. It's almost as close a rhyme and it fits, but, you know, hey, I'm always rewriting people. I can't help myself. Now, if Davy um, Jones were singing this, it would make sense, right? <laughs> well, anyway, I liked the, the idea of the father-daughter thing, I guess is what I'm saying. Also, I love the way Mickey uses changes in volume to build excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, he's acting the song. And in a way that some of these songs are very level throughout, um, this one builds and builds in excitement. And I really appreciate the, the drama he puts into it. The details on She Makes Me Laugh are written by Rivers Cuomo, Mickey Dolan's lead vocal, Peter Tork vocals and banjo, Michael Nesmith vocals and guitar, Mike Viola guitar, Adam Schlesinger on bass, Brian Young on drums and percussion, also recorded February 2016. Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts on She Makes Me Laugh. So I'm going to do a complete 180 on my prior review of this track and just say that I think hearing it on the CD, listening it, listening to it on my, my good stereo system, it really came to life for me in, in a way that the, the YouTube video that I watched a couple of, of, of weeks ago didn't. So it's grown on me quite a bit, and I've, I've listened to the album more than 10 times now, and it just gets better and better, and I, I love the little details that are that are peppered in there. I love Peter's little banjo piece that's kind of tucked in there. Um, Mickey again sounds phenomenal, and like Melanie was saying, I love the the volume changes to show his enthusiasm during the chorus. You know, he's kind of just he's he's doing kind of a, a middle of the road volume, and then all of a sudden when the chorus comes, he just he launches right into it and belts it out, and it's a really killer chorus, and it it's got just a really great 
pop feel that that kind of fits in again with the previous song with with you bring the summer so it, it kind of fits in that same monkeys more the monkeys wheelhouse I personally love the sound of the banjo as well, and it, it may sound like you know such a small thing to focus on, but I just love how it's in there, and it's just in that pocket, and it sounds so neat and beautiful. Sarah Clark? You guys took the main new thing I was going to say, because the main new thing that struck me hearing this in the album as opposed to on its own was just those banjo bits in the intro and the verses they're subtle but they're just one of those touches that says hi i'm a monkey song i can include banjo non-ironically without sounding like mumford and sons you know (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's just one of those things i mean how many other groups can just weave banjo in there the way that you know peter manages to make it work on songs like this and he's been doing it for 50 years so yeah i remember that young pup who did something like that on a song called You Told Me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly where my brain went. Yeah. Craig Cohen. My thoughts on this song haven't really changed since we did our, our discussion on it last time or a couple times ago, the way episodes have been coming out. Um, <laughs> it's still just a monster, monster chorus. And to speak to the banjo, uh, that is an aspect of the song where if you had that mix and you stripped it away... Um, you'd instantly notice there was something missing. And and that's really what has me interested in hearing, eventually, the demo versions of these songs, because I'd love to hear what Rivers Cuomo's original demo sounded like as opposed to the finished product. Yeah, that'll be neat to hear someday. Our next track, Our Own World. Schlesinger with Mickey Dolans on lead vocal, Peter Tork on vocal and keyboards, Michael Nesmith on vocals, Adam Schlesinger guitar, bass, keyboards, one man band there, and Brian Young on drums and percussion also recorded February 2016. Craig Cohen, would you like to take lead on this one? Oh yeah, yeah. I know John had mentioned that this was one of his favorite songs on the album. And I have to say that this song took a while to grow on me, but this was one of the songs that I found myself singing the most when I wasn't listening to the album. And uh, I, I just got to say that if you take a, another album off of the, uh, another song off of this album, it would be my favorite song on the album. I think um, Adam did a, a tremendous job capturing um, the monkeys uh, in this song, and it, it's. Uh, a song that I'll go back to a lot after this album is sort of, you know, done with its run, and I'm sort of just listening to a mix of monkey music again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Clark. 
Well, it's become obvious now that we've actually had the CDs in our hands for about four days as we record this. And I've listened to it probably, oh, at least 20 times all the way through, partially to prepare, but for fun. Um, which was good because actually, our own world, I liked it, but I didn't just adore it the first few times I, I heard it. It was good. It was solid. I really liked the keyboard work that Peter and Adam Schlesinger did. But then I think just later in the day on Friday or something, I was, I don't know, filing something at work. And all of a sudden I had the song stuck in my head. And if that's not a sign of a good monkey song, I, I don't know what is. Uh, Mickey's performance was excellent. I loved his vocal work on this. And I also really dug Adam Schlesinger's guitar solo. I thought that was a really nice touch on here. You know, you got to give a lot of props to the lead guitar on this whole album. There are times, I swear to God, it's Neil Young. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. It sounds like Neil Young on lead guitar. Weird. Melanie Mitchell, your thoughts on our own world? <laughs> Two very different thoughts. First is that the lyrics, particularly in the middle, make me think of the television show, which, of course, I'm always happy to have that acknowledged. I realize it's not meant to be, but it does work. We've been writing rhymes and trading lines. It sounds so good. We've been making plans to start some bands, just like we should. <laughs> and you're a schemer, just like me. Got no fear of authority. And that just totally, to me, um, screams the television show. So uh, mm. that's something I really appreciate about this song. Something that drove me crazy for the first several times, actually the first several dozen times I listened to it, and I finally figured it out this afternoon, the opening um, sequence, the dun 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 at the beginning of the song, I've been trying to put my finger on where it came from, and I was thinking, is it Partridge Family? Is it Brady Bunch? It's the Sesame Street thing. Yeah. Sunny day, chasing the clouds away. Wow. That's a trip. Definitely it's exactly the same, and, and can I challenge you to play them back to back? All right, I will. <laughs> It also reminds me a little bit of Christmas is my time of year. Christmas Day is right around. So check that out. Uh, I hope we didn't cause a lawsuit, Melanie. Send send all angry letters to TV Girl at Zill. TV Girl. Jeff Hewlett, sir, your thoughts. So I, I I'm going to concur with with what everybody else has said so far, uh, especially something Craig said. This is one of those ones that has gotten stuck in my head. I was talking about how I was working in the yard um, earlier today before we did this recording, and this was one of the songs I found myself singing in my head over and over and over again. And I think one of the things that I really like about this song is the the little. Uh, the answer back voc the backing vocals, uh -huh. uh, you know where where you know oh little world. I, I kind of love the fact that they have the little um, that little almost uh, the you know statement and answer or statement and support background vocals. It's so much fun, and the guitar work, as you guys said, is really fantastic in this. I really love the guitar solo. 
uh, in the break. Definitely awesome. And real quick, since this is Adam's first songwriting credit on the album, I just wanted to, to throw a little geek moment out. And I know everybody knows Adam from Fountains of Wayne, but I, I've been a big fan of a, of a band called Ivy for a lot of years. And that's an, another band that Adam was in uh, with a, a fantastic female lead singer, Dominique Duran. Phenomenal music. If you haven't listened to it, it's really great pop stuff. Just you know, go seek it out, and, and it's 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 available on iTunes and, and Google Play and all that stuff. They're they're really really fun. So it's really cool for me to hear uh, you know an Adam song, uh, knowing that I've heard his stuff you know in other bands that I've I've really enjoyed before. Wow, you've given me homework, Jeff. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> excellent, excellent, great, great fun track, great fun track. Our next song, number five, Gotta Give It Time, written by Jeff Berry and Joey Levine. Don Thomas on guitar, Hugh McCracken on guitar, Lou Mario on bass, Artie Butler on organ, Herb Lavelle on drums, Tom Sharone on tambourine. And it doesn't say that there are background singers, but I really think that's Peter and Mike, right? It is. Yeah, but it, it doesn't say in the lyric sheet. So the original recording session for this is January 21st, 1967 and February 2016. Sarah Clark, your thoughts on Gotta Give It Time? Well, I, I, I need to start this one out with a disclaimer. I am not a real big Jeff Berry fan as a general rule. You, you know, feel free to throw to Rotten Tomatoes in my, my way. Uh, but it's a good song uh, for for what it is. Uh, I like the lyrics. I like I, I like the track. It's it's very 1967, which of course it would be since it's recorded. But what really elevates it to an extent to me is uh, Mickey. Uh, his vocals they bring a lot of energy to it, and you can see how a really talented vocalist like Mickey Dolans can take a song that uh, might just be a skipper in another context. But because he brings his own energy and his own kind of, you know, almost Broadway actorly way of, of acting out a song, he really imbues it with a lot of energy. And he, I think he really, his performance really elevates it for me. Very good. Jeff Hewlett. So, yeah, uh, piggybacking on uh, the Jeff Barry comment, I just, I, 
love the fact that uh, Jeff Barry also co-wrote Sugar Sugar, and uh, we know how controversial <laughs> that is. So enough on that. But um, this is this is in the context of the album. This is an interesting bookend because it, it has that kind of edgy, rockier feel that Good Times had at the yeah. beginning. So you've got these two kind of rocky songs that kind of sandwich these three powerful pop songs in between them. So it's it's kind of a a bookend within a bookend because you know the the opening and closing tracks of the album kind of feel that way too. But I uh, this definitely felt to me more of a later monkeys track like if you were you know because we've been talking about sandwiching these into the you know original run of albums this almost kind of felt like a, almost like a monkeys present type of track to me yeah. um I, I dug the guitar work yet again more really strong guitar work and mickey's vocals i mean you can't poke holes in his performance in in, in any of these songs in this album it's amazing how how strong his voice still is and how versatile he still is it's absolutely awesome Craig Cohen. I think on any other Monkeys album, this song might have popped a little bit more. For but for me, it just hasn't clicked or connected with me yet. And I don't want to call it filler, but that's kind of what it feels like to me at this point. Uh, it's a good enough track. It's a, a really good rocking tune, but for me, there's there's just not enough of a hook. And that might speak more to the rest of the songwriting on this album. And I understand, again, this was sort of bridging the gap between the 60s and, and where we are today and sort of, uh, you know, connecting the monkeys to their past. Um, but for me, it just hasn't it just hasn't sparked yet. OK, Melanie Mitchell. I will call it filler. This song does nothing for me. Absolutely nothing. I've tried. I've tried. But I think if there's one song in this album that I would hit the fast forward on, this would be it. In particular, the lyrics, the constant, babe, baby, babe, babe, baby, baby, babe, baby. Gotta give it time now, baby, baby, just give it time. I just, it it leaves me totally flat. I'm sorry. This is the one. Skip. Okay. You know, through, throughout the album, there, there are times that I have ideas for videos. Like, for example, uh, you bring the summer. I would just love to see the three modern monkeys on the beach surrounded by a bunch of people and then they see themselves walking by you know doing the monkeys walk and like interacting with girls and stuff and like kids today kind of thing i think that would be hilarious and it could be a real cheap video when you think about it but this video i almost imagine mickey mike and peter all having uh, blues brother like sunglasses on and doing those background vocals <laughs> <laughs> Give it time now, baby. And Mike really seems to like singing baby in that deep voice because uh, we hear that in the uh, You Bring the Summer, you know, baby, that kind of thing again. So that's what kind of works for me. And gosh, the, the solos, just just love the instrumentation once again. Really enjoy it. But, but that's, that's another, you know, I spoke about some videos. I'm also thinking this could be a commercial. I, I see this this could be used as a Viagra commercial. Uh, you know, just got to give it time, take the pill, and if it lasts over four hours, consult a physician. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me pick up the phone right now, Ken. Yeah, you know when the time is right. You got to give it time, you know. So, but uh, that, that cracks me up. If I ever get enough ambition and free time, I might make a fake commercial using it. Okay, um, Ken, I was already down on this song. I was already down on this song. You just made it worse. Oh, snap. 
And you may have given John Hughes an idea, you realize. (laughs) Well, you got to give it time sometimes. Anyway, our next track, Me and Magdalena, which is the third release from the album. from Death Cab for Cutie. We have Michael Nesmith on lead vocal and Mickey Dolans on harmony vocal, Mike Viola on guitar and bass, Jody Potter on guitar, and Adam Schlesinger on piano and drums, recorded February and March of 2016. Melanie Mitchell, your thoughts? Well, after five straight high-energy songs, this is an abrupt change of pace. Mm-hmm. It is a lovely song, but it does feel a little bit like we slammed the brakes on the on the flow of the album. Um, it is a beautiful, beautiful song, and I although I I love the the harmony singing. I actually like the verse where Nez sings alone, but that gives a nice contrast, I think, with mm-hmm. the the harmony verses. And then just one thing, which I I'm sorry, I can't help myself. It should be Magdalena and I. <laughs> we are traveling. Okay, send hate mail to... <laughs> TV girl at Zilchcat. Um, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Craig Cohen, your thoughts on me and Magdalena? Ken, when are we going to do an entire episode devoted to this song? It's mm-hmm. For me, it's magnificent. My previous favorite monkey song was probably Listen to the Band, but I, I do have a new favorite song. There is Whoa. so much for me to say about this song. I'm not even sure I've completely put it all into words yet. I, I love the fact that um, Michael was was game to do this vocal and to do this song and was game to do this album. And uh, I tweeted the other day that this was the, the monkeys in 2016 and it was, and it's fantastic. And uh, this is a song that I hope a lot more people hear because uh, it's just a, a beautiful song regardless of the artist. And, uh, and I'm so proud to have this as part of my monkeys musical collection. Very good. Wow. Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts. Wow. I am, Really happy to hear Craig say what he just said because this song is kind of a uh, an apex of music fandom for me. I've been a Death Cab for Cutie fan since like o two or o three, and I've been Way back. yeah, a long time ago. And I've been 
I've been seeing them on tours. I've been buying their records for years and years and years. And I've, I, I, I think Ben Gibbard is one of the best songwriters we have around today in contemporary music. He's phenomenal. So for me, this was a crossover, a musical crossover of, of epic proportions for me. And I'm so glad that this song came out as as wonderfully as it did. I can just echo everybody else's comments here that um, I think Gibbard's songwriting style really fits uh, in with Mike's previous songs for the Monkees. I mean, he was great at telling stories mm-hmm. uh, with the lyrics and, and singing these really heartfelt tracks Um and this really seems like it fits in with that. And I love the fact that it's kind of a piano ballad, too. It's not something we have a lot of in the Monkees canon. So it's kind of even adding something new to the mix or semi-new. Mm-hmm. Um, great uh, lyrical uh, duet with the two of them. Like I love how they sound together. And uh, again, it, it's uh, some really great guitar work sprinkled in there. And it really reminds me of uh, some of the more prolific Nesmith songs from from way back so uh, I, I can't give it more than five out of five stars I, I would love to if we had a ten stars it would be ten uh, one of the best tracks on the record I agree I agree Sarah Clark well this is the first of two songs on this album that actually brought me to tears we'll get to the second one in due course uh, it's hard for me to say anything that hasn't been said except after I stopped crying when I listened to the song, about play 10, 15, it, it dawned on me that this song is kind of what justice should or at least could have sounded like because it's kind of got this wistful thing with with more mature Nez and Mickey just kind of looking back on their lives it's it's got this this great resonance uh, it's just beautiful the the keyboards the everything it's uh it's an amazing tune it's probably my second favorite on the album yeah it, it, it's hard to say my all-time favorite on this so far but the reason for it being difficult to say that i have a favorite the reason that it's hard to pick a song as a favorite is because there's so many of them that are in the running for it if you will i love the piano it's just fantastic and it it kind of reminds me of the bob seeger song against the wind at times just that Mm, piano line it's it's a very moody beautiful piece i don't feel that justice captured the guy's personality if you will Mm -hmm. i think that ben gibbard totally captured michael's writing over the last so many you know 20 years or so because to me this is something that could have been on a michael nesmith solo album easy and when the first time i heard mickey and his voices working together it froze me in my tracks i could not believe that you know usually you don't think of beautiful when you think of the monkeys music you know what i'm saying you 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 may think of that's fun or that's great or it's ginchy or whatever superlative you want to throw on it but beautiful and just stopping you dead in your tracks, those usually don't come up. They do on this track. And the fact that Andy Green from Rolling Stone tweeted what he did speaks volumes, and I agree with him. The line, do you see your long lost father? Does he hold you with the hands you remember as a child? I know that somebody who has lost uh, 
parental figures over the last three years, uh, three of them as a matter of fact, and people that I love very dearly, it, it, it caught me, it, it, it took me back to losing them. And it says, But no everything lost will be recovered when we drift into the arms of the undiscovered. That is so beautiful, and it says so much of what I feel. And I don't think that this song could have been possible on any other Monkees album like this. I just mm. don't see it. You're making me cry again, Ken. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Usually okay. anytime I call Sarah, she starts, oh, not him again. So I, is that what you said? No, this is different. Thing. In a good way, dear. Oh, okay, okay. You know, Ken, I'll just once again stump for Ben Gibbard's songwriting capabilities. He's got a lot of tracks that have the same kind of emotional ties and the same sort of uh, gravity that this one does on, on, on a lot of his other work. So if this really appeals to you, go seek out his other stuff because there's plenty out there for you. Well, I've never been much into them. I've always, they've always been a curiosity because as a Beatle fan, Death Cab for Cutie was something that caught my, uh, my attention, if you will. And I now have a mission, as Sarah said earlier. So, excellent, excellent song, and we flip over to side two, Whatever's Right. and Bobby Hart with lead vocals by Mickey Dolans, Michael Nesmith on vocals, Peter Tork on keyboard, Mike Viola on guitar, Adam Schlesinger on bass, Brian Young on drums, and Coco Dolans on vocals. Yay, Coco. And, and Bobby Hart on vocals recorded February and March 2016. Boy, getting the band back together once again. It's Bobby Hart and Coco Dolans. How cool is that? <laughs> Sarah Clark, would you like to take this one? Oh man, we had to have a voice and heart track in here, and it's it's a great voice and heart track. It's excellent. Um, I would have thought it was rec- the instrumentals were recorded back in the '60s, though. But then uh-huh. John Hughes let us slip, and it's in the liner notes too that this was a hundred percent recorded in 2016. Uh, it's got kind of this. I don't know, early 60s sort of semi-doo-wop vibe. Uh, I'd almost see it as the flip side to that thing you do in some ways. See what I did there? Um, I thought Peter's organ work was particularly awesome. Bobby and Coco on vocals. 
I mean, that just took you right back to the old days there. And once again, Mike Viola was just perfect on guitar. And, and, and I think it was said before, but he just adds so many great touches throughout the album. It's a short track. It's like two minutes flat, but it's just, it's a nice, it's a beautiful two. It's a fun two minutes. It's like a little jewel box of a song. Jeff Hewlett. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what more I can really add uh, to what was just said, but you know, this is kind of like a time capsule song. I mean, this this speaks volumes about the production work on this album and the fact that you could have a song created today and have it sound like it could have been plucked from an album that came out 50 years ago. You know, and it's the voice and heart check mark. Of course, you, you got to have a a strong voice and heart tune in an album and man did they deliver on this one the the guitar riff the the tone sounds just like classic monkeys and this was the one that really made me immediately think of a monkey's romp in my head when i heard it the first time i could see the guys running around and doing flips in the park and wearing goofy <laughs> costumes outside of a haunted mansion and i just saw all of that in my head i see it too now <laughs> <laughs> Makes me laugh seeing it. Wow, Melanie Mitchell. Speaking of romps, bring in our TV girl. <laughs> if you had blindfolded me and asked me to guess which song on this CD was written by Boyce and Hart, I think I would have gotten it. Guess this one. It sounds so much like it was lifted directly out of the '60s. I'm just echoing what other people have said. This is the romp song. Absolutely. Early season one, the romp would have had had nothing to do with the lyrics, but that's okay. It still would have been a lot of fun to watch. And this is the second song, the first one being You Bring the Summer, that has a opening guitar or opening instrumental hook um, that a lot of songs on the CD don't, don't have. But this one um, definitely has a very heart and Boisean, voice Hardian, <laughs> voice and heart-esque opening <laughs> hook. <laughs> and I do love that, that Bobby Hart and Coco Dolans are, are represented on this song. Um, singing in the background. I'm glad we live in a world where one has to stretch for that uh, adjective. Voice, heart, voice and heartian. I like that. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Craig? Craig, come um, you, you guys have all said so much here that it's really hard to, to add on, but it's really, really, really great song, and I can only imagine how special it was for the musicians on this track to be playing uh, with the... <laughs> Recording a monkey song written by Boyce and Hart with Bobby Hart. I mean, I know a lot of these musicians are, are professionals, but they still have their their geek out moments. Yeah. And um, this is just a really, really fun song. And it almost makes you feel like time travel is possible, which kind of sets up the next song. Yep. Well, it is. And if people want to check out more uh, things about time travel they can check uh, your show out your and Jeff's show out, Tricorder Transmission a little plug there, where they talk about all things original Star Trek how's that for a plug? That was a great segue, Ken Well, thank you Thanks, Ken. Um, so smooth <laughs> Like <laughs> X-Lax, another commercial uh, To me, this track was just tons of fun, and I loved it and I'm so glad that we have it and I, once again, getting the band back together, it's just so cool our ne speaking of getting the band back together it happens in a huge way on our next track Love to Love, written by Neil Diamond Love's 
a thing that needs one to thrive on Then it grows, at least that's what I've been told You can't love someone if you find that All you get in return is a heart that's cold They say you need love to love You gotta have love to love They all say it works that way But if it's true Why do I love you? Why do I love you? Boy, the quality of songwriters on this album is just stellar. Five star all the way around. We have some Manchester cowboy called Davy Jones. Anyone ever heard of him? On lead vocal. Yay, Davy. Peter Tork on vocals. Mickey Dolan's on vocals. Al Gorgani on guitar. Dan Thomas on guitar. Hugh McCracken on guitar. Lou Mario on bass. Artie Butler on organ. Stan Free on clavinet. And Herb Lavelle on drums. And Tom Sharone on tambourine. Wow, that was a lot of people. Sarah Clark, would you like to take this one? You would call on me first, wouldn't you? I love this song. I want to get it clear. I've loved it for a long time. I've, I've enjoyed it for what it is. I'm a little afraid this is going to come out the wrong way, but I, I really kind of expected them to do something like more involved. I had expected them to like pull Davies vocals and re-record the song, but I guess it's quite good as it is. The, the other thing I missed is I'm really sad they didn't get Naz in on the backing vocals. I had fully expected when I started playing the CD that this was going to be the one song where we had all four monkeys singing together and that would have been a nifty touch if they had done it. I do want to mention one thing if I can read the poll quote for this song from the CD booklet. It's Peter Torx's quote and he says, my my, this does bring mem back memories of the early days when we were young and, if possible, even more innocent than we are now. It was fabulous to be brainstorming background vocal parts with Mickey. That day in the studio, we could just pretend that Davy was out getting a cup of tea or something. That is so beautiful. Lovely. Lovely. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a good song, too. I was just, I wanted to pick those couple of little nits. Jeff Hewlett. Reading that poll quote, I, I read that when I first got the CD, and it immediately brought back memories of uh, uh, Paul and George and Ringo talking about doing the uh, the, the new quote-unquote Beatles songs where you took John Lennon's vocals. So they said something really similar. They just said they pretended that um, John was off on holiday while they were recording him, and he kind of just left the, the songs there for them to finish. So... Um, that was kind of an emotional thought for me, but this this track has a, a an emotional connection for me. Not not necessarily because Davy is no longer with us, but I remember when I first started getting into the Monkees in the late '80s, and um, my uncle went out and bought me a picture disc called Monkey Business, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and this track was on it, and I remember loving this track so much on that record and thinking how cool it was and I would spin that record all the time so this was a, a one of my early 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 favorites when I first started getting into the monkey so to see that they put it on the album I, I was very happy to see they picked this as the debut track and I like the fact that what they added to it was subtle uh, I know that they, they seems like they pulled Davies vocals out a little more in mm -hmm. front 
yes. than it was in the prior mixes, so it stands out a little bit more, I guess, to give room uh, behind it for the, the, the new backing tracks. Hmm. So I appreciate the subtlety, um, and they, they left it a Davy song. They didn't take anything away from, from Davy's performance. And I've again, I've always loved this song. Uh, glad to see it included here. So Nice to see it on an album proper, finally. Exactly. Craig Cohen. Yeah, I have to sort of uh, agree with you there that it is nice to see it get a, a, a proper album release. And it is is so great that Davy's voice was able to find its way on this album. And uh, really not much more I can say uh, that's been said already. But I do think that this mix really pops and they were able to sort of hmm. um, really have some of the elements that were in the original track, um, you know, brought up a little bit more to the front. I I kept comparing this to the version that's on I guess the the headquarters deluxe edition and, and it was it was interesting to go back and forth and to hear um, what elements were sort of carried over and and and, and how you can a- approach mixing a song Melanie Mitchell on the Facebook group the subject of this song came up and I, I'm not going to be able to say who it was but somebody said oh we've all heard this before and I answered and said, I haven't because I'm not the kind of fan who has deluxe editions and I don't have the missing links. I'm TV girl. (laughs) Um, And so I'd like to speak here on behalf of the fans who are not audio completists. Um, This is new to me and it's a beautiful song. I was very glad to hear it. Um, And if it takes, you know, something like good times to expose those of us who don't have you know, audio collections to a song like this, well then, more power to them. I'm glad they did. If you had blindfolded me and asked me to name which of the songs on this CD was the one by <laughs> Neil Diamond, I think I would have guessed it. It really does sound like a Neil Diamond composition, and I really like the, the minor end to the chorus, you know, why do I love you? Why do I love you? It it takes, you know, what's coming off is really pop peppy and, and happy and bouncy and then just sort of twists it you know, that uh, really gives it a lovely tone that I, I really appreciate. So I think it's a really cool song, and I'm, I'm glad to finally have been introduced to it. Wonderful. You bring up a, a very good point. Not everybody is buying the handmade sets or the missing links mm-hmm. or the box sets. That is a great point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some people just have those albums proper, if you will. And once again, great that it's there. I love the solo in this. You know, I'm a big guitar guy, and this is this this is right up there. And I've always thought that the ending of this song reminds me of the, uh, the Hawaii Five O theme song. You know, yeah, they... absolutely, you're right. <laughs> it, you could almost like put the part where it goes dun dun da, but da dum. You know, you could tie that ending onto the 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 end of this in a way. <laughs> it's a great track, and it's great to hear. Davy Jones represented, but the representation of Davy Jones does not end there. Our next track, Little Girl, written by Peter Tork, was originally written for Davy Jones. Sarah, would you like to read what Peter had to say about that? Absolutely. Peter said, I wrote this song for Davy, thinking it might make a good follow-up to I Want to Be Free. Davy actually loved it and had hoped to sing it, so this is for you, Mr. Manchester Cowboy. Very good. Of course, the personnel is Peter Tork on lead vocal, acoustic guitar, Mike Viola on guitar and vocals, Adam Schlesinger on bass, and Brian Young on drums. 
So this was also recorded. This was also recorded in February of 2016. Little girl, don't you hang around. Stand up, we'll go to town. Go for a ride. I'll be your guide. Do what we can, baby. I'll be your songs that had the, that really strong instrumental hook at the beginning mm-hmm. and this song doesn't have any instrumental intro at all i think there's da 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 little girl that's the beginning of the song it feels very stripped down there's just very light instrumentation peter is in very good voice both on this and the other song he sings lead um but i'm just noticing how how bare it is compared to many of the other songs on the album it's a little weird. I can totally imagine Davy singing this in 1967. I can even imagine Davy singing it right around 1971. It fits his style, being the the little, cute, harmless, trustworthy, you know, Prince Charming will come to your rescue but won't ever damage your reputation kind of guy. Um, it's a little weird hearing a man at the age of 74 singing it. Mm-hmm. I try to project and imagine Davy singing it, and it fits a lot better with his voice and his style. Um, there's another thing about this song that, to me, is weird, and I'm not sure why they did it. And I, I really listened carefully to it beating time. The, the song is in 3-4 time, mm-hmm. but there's a little spot in each verse where it shifts to 2-4 time for just yeah. six beats. And then goes back to 3-4, but the lyrics are still in 3-4. Mm-hmm. So it feels like the the meter has sort of tripped over itself. And the strong beats are coming on the wrong syllables for like two measures, and then it goes back to normal. I, I don't know why they did that. It, it To me, it's jarring. Now, see, to me, that makes the song. Same here. It, it gives you something to focus on. And, you know, we mentioned how this was written for Davy. If you listen to the lyrics, it's it's not as as nice or as sweet as maybe we'd like them to be because he's still gonna leave at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> he's still he, Davy still doesn't really want to settle down. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, he'll he'll be your man, but you know, there's th- this this can only last so long. But hey, we'll we'll enjoy this while it lasts. Let's have a good time. You're getting to date Jay, Davy Jones, so it's cool. Jeff Hewlett, <laughs> your thoughts? So I actually really enjoy the minimal arrangement uh, of this track. I, I feel like this is kind of where Peter is. Yeah. And I, like I was saying really earlier on in the show, I feel like Peter is is really growing into uh, – he's really grown into his voice. And I, I love the confidence. And I don't know if, if 
this is really possible, but I feel like I can almost see Peter smiling or hear him smiling as I'm listening to this. It sounds like he's smiling when he's singing it, like he's really happy about it. And it, I, I really love it. I think the lyrics are great. Um, you know, I understand Melanie's position. To me, this is a, a, one of the strong points of the record for me. I really enjoy it. I think it's it's great that Peter has a, this great writing credit. It's a, a, I love the fact that it was originally for Davey, but now Peter's putting his own spin on it. And it's just, uh, it's all around a great song. I enjoy it every time I listen to it. I thought about My Lady Love, and I thought about her and I, and as we go through our life, and I, I hope to... Uh, and enjoy the rest of our lives as we, uh, you know, are able to, to walk along together. And it's it's a nice little waltz to, to have as you walk along. Craig Cohen, your thoughts? I have to kind of agree with Melanie here in terms of the arrangement. On an album that's been really, really full, the arrangement is really what, what, what put me off initially. I listened to the album before reading the, the liner notes and seeing... Peter's comments about this being a, a follow-up for for Davy made me go back and listen with a different ear, and mm-hmm. I still think I need to spend some time with this song. I think Peter is a, a tremendous talent, and I know earlier in the the discussion, Jeff sort of talked about the fact that there's a lot of Peter stuff out there that we probably haven't heard, or that you know he wasn't really given a chance to do. So I appreciate that. But I'm also interested in seeing and hearing Peter's other contribution that didn't make this album that is going to be one of the, um, I think, one of the bonus tracks, A, a Better World or yes. something uh, with that title. So it'll be interesting. Uh, as John said, we could eventually make our own version of this album. And <laughs> I'm curious to see how that song plays and whether or not I'll, I'll switch it out for my, my Peter Tork entry. Hmm. Sarah Clark. This is going to freak people out bringing in the J word again, but this actually is a song that made me think the most of Justice and not in a bad way because kind of the funky thing we were talking about with the the meter kind of put me in a mind of I Believe You, which is another Peter Tork composition mm. from that album. I am with Melanie in that I'm not sure that the lyrics work as well for Peter as I think they would have worked for Davy, but I think this is a case where the lyrics are sort of saved by the instrumentation because I loved Brian Young's kind of funky drum work, and it was nifty getting to hear Mike Viola on backing vo- vocals as well. But you know, at the end of the day, this is another one that I found myself, it was stuck in my head at one point a few days ago, so that means it can't be all bad. So that's my feelings on Little Girl. Glad you mentioned the drumming. The uh, brushwork is is exquisite. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely exquisite. And now, the next track, Birth of an Accidental Hipster.
written by Noel Gallagher of Oasis and Paul Weller of The Jam. We have Michael Nesmith on vocals, backed with Mickey Dolans on counter vocals, Coco Dolans on vocals, Mike Viola on guitar, Adam Schlesinger on bass, piano, percussion, and Brian Young on drums, recorded in February and March of 2016. Jeff Hewlett, sir. Oh my God, man. So I'm going to be one of those people <laughs> who falls on the, oh my God, I love this song side of this. And I'm sure some of some people out there will disagree with me, but I feel like this is my, um, my somewhere between the birds, the bees, and the monkeys and head moment mm. on this record. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love and that's why I love the birds and the bees and the monkeys so much. I love that kind of experimental, uh, non-traditional feel, and and this definitely has some Oasis overtones to it. I mean, you know, Noel Gallagher definitely put his signature on the on the lyrics. And I, but wow, I I love I love the way the song is constructed. I I love the changes in the song. It's mm-hmm. got this really cool progressive feel to it i love the blistering guitar solo in the middle i love the piano bits mickey's parts are so cool i I just i really love the way he sounds it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of a almost a beetle-esque feel Mm -hmm. some of the later beatles feel and i i love the that kind of false ending thing where the the guitar riff kind of comes back in and then trails out at the end mike's vocals on this are are really great I, i he sounds so triumphant uh, when he's singing this, like it feels like he's really, really into it, and I really enjoy this. And this is definitely one of my highest points on the record. And mileage will vary. Melanie Mitchell, your thoughts? Well, that's an intro. This song to me is um, makes me think of special effects, especially the the parts where there's like an, an echo to it right at the beginning. I, I sort of science fiction sort of aspects to it and it reminds me in some strange ways of David Bowie's Space Oddity. Mm. He's getting a very strong major tom even though there's no reference to outer space. You know, he just talks about sunshine but it just I, I sort of see like warping into you know hyperdrive kind of travel in that section and then it just switches to that really old fashioned sort of rinky-dinky vaudeville kind of thing. I love those transitions. Those are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be perfectly fine with the lyrics as soon as somebody explains to me what does feeling to your knees mean. <laughs> um, I'm fine with everything else. And also, I've seen a video of a fan singing this song while walking around on the sidewalks of a major major city. Yeah. And I referred to that event as birth of an accidental hip fracture. (laughs) (laughs) I love that guy. (laughs) So, what's the line you were curious about? Feeling to your knees. Well... Headed out to the sunshine, feeling baby. To my to knees, you. right? He's feeling the sunshine no, to his knees. That's one of the typos in the in the in, ah. the in the booklet. It's it's feeling to your knees both times. And Jeff, you say it is. Well, I was reading the miswritten uh, lyric sheet. Mm. I'm so pretty sure you all can check me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's feeling to your knees both times. Hmm. I think I remember that too. Very good. Either way, what does it mean? It's a proggy song. It means what you want it to mean. Yeah, it means what you want it to mean. Sarah Clark. The mid-90s, to me, are 
were basically a time when I had mixtapes filled with Oasis and Monkeys. So I was really looking forward to this one in the same way that I think it was Jeff was looking forward to the Ben Gibbard one. And wow, you've got to understand the psychedelic stuff. That That's like my wheelhouse. Um, Daily Nightly was actually the first Monkeys song I heard in the context of an episode because the first episode I ever saw was Fairy Tale, another topic for another day. And I think that song hooked me as much as the concept of Mike Nesmith in a dress. All my favorites are stuff like Porpoise Song, Randy Skouskit, Shorty Blackwell, you know, Can You Dig It? And and that's like my monkeys. The different movements, all the swirly psycho jello stuff. This is this is just a love letter to that side of the monkeys. This is actually the second song that made me cry. Nez's verse toward the end where he says, Old friends say, Oh, he's lost his way, but they can't see what I can see. Oh, I'll never come back. I'm heading out in the sunshine, baby. I mean, I know he didn't write this, but this is like I could totally see him jotting down this verse before he ran out to take selfies with Iron Man last week. <laughs> yes, that happened. <laughs> yes, that happened. Wow. And and so it's like, musically, it's totally 60s, but lyrically, it feels like it's ground, very grounded in 2016 and in the story of who the monkeys are now. And a lot of the songs made that connection and it, it it manages to do that then and now thing and this is without a doubt my favorite song on the album uh-huh. Craig Cohen this is a really good song with uh, with great forward momentum and it's also one of those songs that you can listen to over and over and over again and sort of go on the journey with the song mm-hmm. and pick out different elements of the song and travel down those roads it's really weird for me to vocalize what having a song taking you on a journey really is, and I'm sure everybody can relate to that, um, even if they don't completely understand what I'm saying. But this is one of those songs that, much like I said, the album cover offers a lot of opportunities to see and uh, new things. This is a song that offers opportunities to hear new things. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. This may be my favorite song on the album, but then again, you have me and Magdalena, so... I don't know what this song is about. I know that Michael Nesmith was talking about how the words were interesting and how he almost felt bad for a lot of hipsters because they don't quite know where they belong in in the scheme of things because a lot of them live with this old aesthetic in a modern world with their man buns and vinyl and everything. And, you know, you live in this modern world with old technology and you're always trying to be hip. And... I, I look at the lyrics and I see something completely different. I see a man who's going to death. And all art is subjective and means different things to different listeners. But to me, this song... And Melanie brings up a good point by pointing to Major Tom. It's, it's, it's very similar. 100 agree, mm-hmm. I agree 100% on this. It's almost like the, the main person in the song is trying to like say you know i'm i'm going somewhere and everybody thinks i'm going you know wrong for doing what i'm doing but then mickey comes in with this like greek chorus do you know where we go do you know when we go so where do we go after here and then you've got this great uh dw washburn slash randy scouse git thing that mickey does with the high on the rooftop and then you have the 
choirs of angels all sing along and in the right channel you hear that great choir of voices and it just sounds so cool so i think that the song is about going to the other side and it's the second song that kind of talks about transcending or death or a new life so that's what accidental hipster mean birth of an ac accidental hipster means to me so what it means to you i don't know please let us know on on the facebook page or on uh twitter at zilchcast or send us an email thoughts on that guys great observation can i uh that this is one of the reasons why i love songs like this because they're so deep and they have so much to think about and you can create theories in your mind of what what everything means it's, i love being able to uh, to to look at so I, so I love TV shows and movies that are like that that kind of leave things open-ended for you to use your imagination to fill in the blanks yeah and maybe I just read the song this way because of kind of my positionality of where I've been in the last two years kind of this journey back to the monkeys I, I don't see it so much as a song about death though I totally see that interpretation but for me it's more about like rebirth or reconnecting or integrating with like a part of you that you've let drift away and you know okay this may be weird and this may confuse a heck of a lot of my friends but i'm going out in the sunshine baby yeah I mean, who knows maybe he's just walking out in the front lawn taking off all his clothes <laughs> just wandering out well, into traffic it's not a fearful song. No, no. It's a no. song, if it is about death, it's about embracing yeah. change. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of what I was saying about transcending or moving on to another thing, another plane. Perfect, perfect, Melanie. Perfect. Yeah. Whatever this transformation is, it's a beautiful one. Yeah. Maybe not to everyone else, but to the main character in the song it is. You know, mm -hmm. he, he's got hope that he's headed towards some bright, sunshiny thing. So the rest of the world thinks he's a nut job. But, and the choir of angels will all sing along. Yeah, just a just a great great track. This next song wasn't born to follow, which was written by Carol King and Gary Goffin. Cascading water 
for it is Peter Tork on lead vocal, Mike Deasy on guitar, Dennis Budemeyer on guitar, Al Casey on guitar, Max Bennett on bass, Michael Melvoin on harpsichord, Earl Palmer on drums, Stan Livy on percussion, and Mitt Holland on vibes. A lot of people on this one, all hands on deck. But that this song could be one of those cheap videos I was talking about, and you could take and have Peter, modern day Peter, walking along and then cut in the footage from As We Go Along from Head and it would fit this music perfectly. I think this is a great track. Melanie Mitchell, what are your thoughts on Born to Follow? I like it. I like the song. Mm-hmm. I like the words very much. It is very much a folk song. I mean, even looking at the page in the in the booklet, yeah. you know, the, the verses are blocks of text. Um, eight lines per verse all in proper meter there's no rhyming going on but uh, certainly there's a a standard meter uh, four beats per line eight lines per verse the imagery is so strong and vivid with with nature imagery and and water Mm -hmm. um, being particularly strong uh, waterfalls and cascades and things like that it's such a positive and optimistic I'm going to do this. I'm going to embrace this and leap into it and, and, and take on every bit of it. And then at the very end, the last verse, to me, echoes um, the song Different Drum. All of a mm. sudden, there's another person in the story, and she's begging and pleading and talking about all the things you're about to leave behind. That was like a really strange transition to me. I was like, where'd she come from? <laughs> a very, Again, a very naked simple arrangement I mean, mm-hmm. even with all those instrumentalists um, there's no variation in tempo there's no variation in dynamics there's no variation in instrumentation except for the little uh, instrumental bridge I mean yeah between the third and fourth verse there's a little break um, I'm the note I wrote was I could probably figure out how to play this on the piano and I am a terrible piano player <laughs> <laughs> But the good news is you can help move one. And that's, <laughs> never never discount that skill. <laughs> so I, I kind of wish that there had been a little bit more done with it. That I just, I kind of wish that like, you know, I was talking earlier about She Makes Me Laugh, about how Mickey acted the song mm-hmm. with changes in volume and all that. Yeah. You know, this was very flat, very even. I mean, Peter sang it beautifully, but I didn't feel the buildup of the story I almost feel like it was a uh, an exercise by Carol King like she was doing a lyrical dervish if you will whereas instead of having a, a, a musical thing that just kept repeating like a, a melody over and over and over again as you dance to it it was a lyrical dervish in that same sense it almost makes you dizzy it reminds me of the song Gentle on My Mind by Glenn Campbell where mm. you know it before you sing that first verse, you better have a breath because it's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. You know, and it goes, and then instantly it starts the next one. And it, it this this song has that same kind of thing where you better make sure you've got a breath because, uh, you know, you you don't get to stop in the middle. Craig Cohen, your thoughts on "Wasn't Born to Follow"? This song felt a little too connected to the past for me. I almost feel like this would have been great if Peter had just completely run with a brand new recording. Um, I'm sure it's a song that will grow on me because 
you know, these are tremendous songwriters behind this song. Um, but this is another one of those songs that I, I really have yet yet to connect with, and I, I really feel like um, a, a brand new production uh, might have had it pop a little bit more on, on the uh, on the CD. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I also love the sound of the vibes. It gives it almost a kettle drum kind of feel, and the banjo is just absolutely awesome. Sarah Clark. Well, Carol King, Goffin and King are probably my favorite songwriters for the monkeys who are not monkeys themselves. So I was really glad to see this tune represented. It does have a nice little bit of Bob Dylan in it, 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 it as, as Peter sort of notes in the liner notes. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. It, after having had that chat with Jay McDowell a few months ago from the Musicians Hall of Fame to see some names that we actually talked about in our conversation, like Mike D.C. and Earl Palmer, and kind of be able to look, listen to new-to-me music from those folks. I needed to listen to, to this one a few times before I kind of got into it. It's another one that eventually started getting sucked in my head. I don't know that Peter could have pulled this off in 1968, but his 2016 voice, I mean, it, it's kind of like early morning blues and greens is that it works for him as he is now, which is really cool. So, uh-huh. It's interesting because the first so many songs, to me, almost thematically represent the history of the monkeys in that you've got the first so many tracks are the monkeys more the monkeys then we get into a headquarters kind of thing and now we're clearly like in head territory if you will Hmm. between accidental hipster and wasn't born to follow they have a head vibe to me if you will not necessarily that they would fit on those albums i think this song could like i said you could take that footage from the head movie as we go along and just Put it over this song, you know. As, well, as, if if Nez had been the one to jump off the bridge, they could have used "Birth of an Accidental Hipster" instead of "Porpoise Song." <laughs> Just saying. Well, there you go, Jeff Hewlett. Your thoughts? I had a lot of anticipation for this track, just because I'm used to hearing it in a different context than uh-huh. this. My my recollection of this song is actually from the Birds version of it, which is in the film Easy Rider. Mm. So I always think of motorcycles driving down a highway uh, whenever I hear this track. Um, So that was more of a folk rock type version of the song, though. And, of course, there's the backing track for this is included in uh, the Birds and the Bees handmade box. And Carol King recorded her own solo version of this, uh, which is more of a piano ballad. Uh So if you're interested to hear the songwriter's interpretation of the song, that it's, it's out there. So check that out. It's it's kind of somewhere. Uh, P- this this Peter version is kind of almost a toned down version of the Birds version, mm. uh, in my mind. And I I think it fits in really well with Little Girl. I enjoy the heck out of this track. I I really love Peter's vocal confidence that I mentioned before. He just sounds so happy now. Yeah. And uh, you know he's always made jokes about his singing voice, and I just I love how his confidence just comes through on the two tracks that made it onto this record. I, I, the lyrics to the song are absolutely beautiful. I, I love these sort of, uh, I love na- these nature references and how contemplative it is. And mm-hmm. it's just a wonderful tapestry of words. And again, another really cool guitar solo during the break. So uh, kind of sad this song didn't make it out in the 60s, but I think I agree that it's better here than it probably would have turned out in 68. So another really good track for me on this record 
Well, you know, you mentioned uh, Peter being happier now. Uh, there is nobody telling him he, that he couldn't bring his guitar to the studio. So yes, good point. <laughs> good times if they, indeed. If they had recorded this in 1968, I don't think they would have let Peter sing it. They probably would have had Davey singing it, or Mickey, or mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah. Very good. Our next track. To me, this song was just so different and something that totally came unexpectedly to me. Uh, Track 12, I Know What I Know, written by Michael Nesmith. I know what I know And what I know Is I know nothing Without you I know what I see And what I see is I see nothing without you. Alone I am with waiting heart. Alone I am a world apart. I know what I have. I feel nothing without you Alone I am Unspoken words Alone I am Unseen, unheard Personnel on this is Michael Nesmith, lead vocal, Adam Schlesinger, piano, bass, guitar, and Chamberlain. This was recorded in February 2016. And I'll tell you, I have never expected to hear anything like this from Michael Nesmith. Sarah Clark, your thoughts? Oh, wow. Well, the first thing I've got to point out is this is a Michael Nesmith written song in which there is exactly one word with more than two syllables in it. Mm. We just need to all sit with that for a moment because it's like this exercise in complexity through simplicity and not just in the lyrics. I really like this. I like this version a lot more than the other version that I I think you can find in in Video Ranch. Um, It's it's just Nez in full on, you know, don't call on me, tropical campfires crooner mode, which he hardly ever does, but when he does, it's gorgeous. Just a guy and a piano and a chamberlain honestly and earnestly singing this simple love song. 
the gorgeous piano line and also that instrumental break on the chamberlain is just uh, magnificent so and the, the the chamberlain is that backwards sounding organ yes do you want me to go ahead and move into sarah's keyboard corner sure i actually did some looking into this because uh, melanie and i were actually talking a little bit before and she wasn't familiar at all and i like had this very foggy memory of maybe having heard of it. So being the librarian, I went and, you know, looked around. It is a electromechanical keyboard instrument. It was created in the 50s. Uh, it's got like a piano-style keyboard, but inside the, the, the instrument, underneath each key, is it's got like a tape playing mechanism, mm -hmm. and each tape is pre-recorded with various musical instruments or special effects. Um, mistaking Chamberlain sounds for real instruments is common with all Chamberlain sounds because they were recorded with like no processing and there wasn't really any like mixed down. Um, some notable musicians who have used the Chamberlain include Three Dog Night, Olivia Newton-John, uh, Leon Russell, James Taylor, Stevie Wonder, uh, Moody Blues, David Bowie, uh, Iron Butterfly, and uh, Tom Waits. Uh, it can be heard in the soundtracks of Boogie Nights and I Heart Huckabees. Oh, and one more note. The Chamberlain also popped up on XTC's classic album, Skylarking. Aha. Uh -huh. Very good. So. This has been Sarah's Keyboard Corner. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts? I never expected the, the slowy on the album to be a mic song. Yeah. Um, that really caught me off guard. Uh, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way at all. I, you know, you, you think of, you, you've heard Mike's songs before, and I think this is really markedly different than, than anything he's put on a Monkey's record up until right now. So I, I love that there's more piano in here. I, I, Adam's playing on this track is, is great. The Mike's vocals are really great. I, I love that it's this deeply personal, insightful Nesmith song um, it's something that I've always appreciated about Mike is the the depth and I I, I love this um, I love the simplicity as was stated uh, briefly before and I think this is just a really cool and 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 deep track I, I don't know if it necessarily uh, I, I think it fits well after wasn't born to follow I don't know where else you could have put it on the record right uh, it definitely is is the most downbeat track there is on the record, and I, I think it's it's good near the end here. And I think it's just gonna, we're going to bring it back up with the final track. But um, I'm interested to see what the bonus tracks all are, and see you know what what could have been shuffled around where when we make our own playlists mm. and where the song's going to fall. Very good, Melanie Mitchell. Okay, well before I get into my opinion on the song, I just want to clarify one thing. Yes, I wanted to find out what a Chamberlain was, and it's misspelled in the liner notes, which is why I wasn't able to find it. Sarah did. The word Chamberlain, spelled the way it is in the liner notes, is a functionary in the palace who uh, assists the king in his chamber. Um, the, the instrument is spelled, the last syllable is L-I-N, not L-A-I-N. Thank you, um, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so if you want to find out more about the Chamberlain, spell the last syllable without the A. Um, this is my favorite song on the entire CD. Um, I mentioned earlier that She Makes Me Laugh was my favorite happy song. And this is the flip side. I wept copiously 
the first three times I heard it. I'm getting better, but I still get choked up. The only other song I can think of, the only other pop song I can think of that ever affected me that way was um, a song by Billy Joel called And So It Goes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it just It just tears me apart. Listening to it is so vulnerable and so exposed yeah you know the the minimal instrumentation and the just this the one voice clearly singing from his own personal experience um or if he's not he's acting very well mm-hmm. but this is it's tragic and it's uh it's very sad and it moves me a great deal that said getting back to the chamberlain i have a dear friend who is a professional cellist and who adores nez and I'm not sure whether I'm excited to get her take on this song or I'm dreading it. Janet, if you're listening, call me. And dial me in on the call, too, because <laughs> I'm also curious. <laughs> I don't know why they chose to use the Chamberlain instead of a real cello. I, I'm sure it was intentional. The Chamberlain is playing a tape of a cello playing that note. And then when you move to a different key, it switches to a different tape of a cello playing that note. And so what you end up with with a somewhat disconnected, slightly unsettling sound, which I guess is what they were going for. And, you know, this is a song about heartbreak, I guess, so maybe that is the, the intent. But I just wonder how the song would have sounded with a real cello. I would love to hear an alternate version of it <laughs> done that way, because I, I found the, the, the sound of the Chamberlain to, to be a little unsettling, and not in a good way. Hmm, interesting. I found it not to be so much a sad song, but a bittersweet song in that mm-hmm. the feeling I get is that he's telling someone that he's loved for a long time how much that person means to him. That's, that's what I get from the lyrics. And I love how the song is distilled at the very end because throughout the song you know the first verse is I know what I know the second verse is I know what I see and it, this goes on and on and on and the last bit they take a line from each of those verses and he goes I know what I know I see what I see I love what I love it's you that I love so it's it's kind of nice to to have such a a love song from Michael Nesmith I just never thought that it would be something like this it's amazing craig cohen your thoughts a beautiful song beautiful performance beautiful arrangement i i really wouldn't change a thing agreed and you know it's weird because i think that some people may complain about the effect on mike nesmith's voice during birth of an accidental hipster but you need to remember folks that mike's always loved to put effects on his voice from Cruising to Tapioca Tundra to so many other Nesmith classics. So it's fantastic. Next up, wow. <laughs> I love this song. I'm going to take lead on this. I, I haven't taken lead on any of the tracks, I don't think, but I'm going to go with it. You know, sometimes when you follow an entertainer or celebrity and every time you see an interview with them you hear the same things and we all love Mickey Dolans we love him very much but there are times when even the most diehard of monkeys fan will roll their eyes when they hear such things as I sang this song before Shrek or 
I was there, and I'm told I had a good time. And, Mickey, I've rolled my eyes every time you've done that in an interview for a while now, but I'm telling you, sir, you are forgiven, and I love hearing it again. Just like I laughed the first time I heard it, because this song, to me, is one of the best things you've ever done, and it is fun, and it's great to hear you drumming again. The personnel on this song, I was there and I'm told I had a good time, is Mickey Dolans, and Adam Schlesinger wrote it. Great job, guys. Mickey Dolans did the lead vocal and drums, Adam Schlesinger on piano and bass, Mike Viola on guitar. And, you know, I hear so many Beatles things in this. Yeah. It reminds me of John Lennon's Winston O'Boogie phase, vocally and production-wise. It sounds like that Phil Spector, uh, John Lennon rock and roll album. It reminds me of Paul McCartney's first solo album with the Mickey does that similar kind of scatting in this. And the echo effect, it has that uh, very Leninist kind of thing going on. And Mickey just sells it. down it's so simple (laughs) these are the lyrics and i could repeat them several times but here's the lyrics for the entire song just not repeated as many times as they are in the song i was there and i'm told i had a good time and i could swear you were there with me in my head i'm repeating all your good lines because the word is you heard them all from me we are here and we're going to have a good time like we did before supposedly (laughs) And it's almost like, you know, be careful what you hear as legend because it may have started out as something and turned into something else. Well, I'll say it's a fantastic bookend on the end of the album. It, 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 when you look at Good Times as the opening track and you look at this as the final track, I think it really comes full circle. Uh, I'm really, really exceptionally glad that Dolan's has a writing credit on the album. So all three of them at least have a writing credit on the record, which is great. I, I was a little worried getting towards the end. I'm like, there's no Mickey track on this record. Uh, so good thing that he's on there with a writing credit. I really love the uh, the reverb on Mickey's voice in this. It's so much fun. Uh, the drumming is a lot of fun too. I, I really enjoy that. The scatting stuff with the, with the vocal effects is so cool. 
to listen to. It lyrically minimal, as you said. Uh, really strong guitar work. Uh, really good closer, in my opinion. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's more than just a, a closer. It, it brings it back to good times. The starting yeah. track, in a way, again. Yeah. Melanie Mitchell, your thoughts? Well. The lyrics are not all that interesting, but they are saved by the very last word, supposedly. <laughs> that takes the whole concept of the entire song and flips it up on, on its head because it sort of negates everything that went before. Yeah. And it adds this, this element of whimsical mystery. Well, maybe it was and maybe it wasn't, and, and that really saves to me the, the whole song. The opening um, sounds to me like the opening of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I keep expecting to hear... I would like to offer Mr. Dolan's some additional song titles that he's free to use at no charge. Okay. Um, the Day Leonard Nimoy Became a Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot like Glee... <laughs> Paisley bell bottoms and tie-dyed underwear. Hey, monkey man. Mm -hmm. And I sang this song long before Shrek. And don't forget Psycho Jello. <laughs> and Ronald McDonald on acid. That's so I mean, you, you've, you've got you've got a whole side of an album right there. Uh, <laughs> I think Adam Schlesinger is perfect to, to help him write. Uh, Craig Cohen. Um, really good rock song. I think you hit on a lot of the points uh, that I, uh, you know, sort of connected to, Ken. Um, I think it is great that this, you know, cliche, you know, Mickey soundbite was able to produce such a great song. And it's, it's a good, good way to end the album. And, um, uh, like we already mentioned, it's a sort of good bookend to the to the title track. Wow, Sarah Clark. Well, I was kind of holding my breath to see what this song would be because this could well be. I hope it's not, but this could well be the last track ever on a standard album issue of the Monkees, and you know that in a weird way carries some kind of freight with it. It was awesome that it featured drums by one Mickey Dolenz. I've heard some people compare it to Randy Scouse Git. I, I feel that it's a little bit more like No Time because it's kind of got this, you know, rough and ragged thing. I can believe they just jotted this down in the studio 10 minutes before they hit go, which kind of sounds like it was the story of the track to an extent. And I love that Mickey's kind of got this self-aware humor about his habit to kind of run his quips into the ground. That was kind of, that was hilarious. I think this is the track where we actually got that little video snippet of Mickey drumming. I'm not a hundred percent. Okay, good. Um, so it was sort of fun to put a song to that video. Adam Schlesinger's bass definitely holds the track together, sort of in the the grand Chip Douglas tradition. And um, the Mike Viola does this really cool kind of deliberately rough and ragged guitar line that fits the song. And I love Mickey's line at the end. I dropped my stick. That was a gem. It was uh, overall, it was just a fun way to end the album. Excellent. Great CD. Uh, folks, it is release day. 
it is good times party day get out there buy good times have your own good times listening party and this is fantastic i'd like to give some zilchies out we give mickey dolan's the i got blisters on my fingers award for his i dropped my stick i dropped my stick <laughs> we'll give the welcome back award to michael nesmith uh the zilchy goes to him for that Amen. what award can we give peter Tork? hey I, I got a song on the album <laughs> Oh, oh, the excellent 2016 vocals award. Yes, the Zilchi goes to Peter Tork for excellent vocals and getting a song on the album. And Peter, where are we today? What, what are you doing here? Well, where we are today and what we're doing. <laughs> you don't know? We also give uh, two Zilchis to Adam Schlesinger. And John Hughes, you guys passed the audition, and we welcome you uh, from all of us to all of you. We, we thank you for this excellent album. Everybody on it, you all did great, and we just thank you for this fantastic record. A lot of people were saying, well, why are you going to good times? Because this is the only time in the lifetime of Zilch that we got to talk about an album as it came out. Yeah. So we would be fools to, to pass this opportunity up. And when Absolutely. we started this show, got to take a little moment out and say, happy birthday to Zilch, because it is in the merry month of May, just two years ago. Yeah. You and, wow. you and uh, I, uh, Jeff Hewlett, you and myself, Craig Cohen and Chris Karam got together and did a show called, it was called Zilch Zero. Why the monkeys? And we said about our statements about why we love the monkeys. And guess what? We're still doing it. We never thought this would happen. So happy birthday to everybody involved. We're so glad that Sarah and Melanie came along. And then you've got people. And I, if I leave someone out, I don't mean to. But you've got people like Jeff Geringer and Ghosty Timmers, David Wills. The man so coolly has two names. Melinda Flowers Gildart. Uh <laughs> Ian Lee, uh, Karen Welsh, uh, Jamie Hitchcock. There's just so many people. Opalina Sales and Summer Remlinger. There's just Kathy. Uh, it's all 2,630 of you on the Zilch <laughs> Every last one of you. Facebook group and, and more. Fred, and Fred Velez and Al and Andrew and everybody. And I'm just, I'm on the Zilch Facebook page. I'm just going to say a few names and I can't get you all, but I want to say hi to Roy and Donnie and Randall and everybody out there through the magic mirror of the podcast oh, world. I was wondering if you were going to go there. <laughs> magic mirror, God. Daniel, mm -hmm. Sam, and just, just so many people. And, you know, we love you all, Rebecca Prepke, and all the, and all the people over at the Peter Torque Facebook page. Thank you for always helping us. Davey Meredith. Gosh, there's so many people. I don't want to forget anyone, but we love you all. Everybody that's part of the Zilch experience. Yep. Thank you so much. And all the great guests that we've had on the show, people in the Monkees touring band and friends of the band, the kids of the Monkees. And it's, it's, we're just getting started, folks. Ken, yeah. Ken, how about Michael Lynch and some of the songs that he's uh, put together for us? And, and Michael Lynch, I mean, my, my goodness, he's done our, our opening themes. <laughs> and yeah. there's so much cool stuff that he's done. And there's, it's, it's been a tremendous humbling and joyful experience for all of us. Yep. 
and we thank you, you know whether your favorite part is us doing a round table talking about the music or the guys themselves are talking about the the color cast commentaries uh it's been an amazing year and and we want to thank you all so much for being part of zilch right jeff absolutely man absolutely did we, we would have never thought we'd make it to where we are today when we first started out i can't believe it's been two years already it's hard unbelievable hard to believe craig yeah it's just been it's been amazing and i'm so happy to to be a part of this and it's funny you know i think we've talked about this before uh but uh we do uh me and jeff do a uh a sylvester stallone podcast and when creed came out there was sort of a vindication that we felt when he got nominated for the oscar um, and it's been a very, very similar experience with the monkeys during this 50th um, celebration. And it, and, it, and it kind of is vindicating to have been sort of flying the flag for the monkeys before um, this whole 50th anniversary sort of put them back on, you know, more of a, the pop culture map, if you will. Very good. Sarah? It's such an honor to be here, um, to be part of Zilch and to be part of the monkey story at this time. Um, you know, I came back in 2012 after losing a dear friend of mine. And I, I've said on this show a time or two that I feel like I'm just sort of sitting in a semi-permanent guest co-host because she'd do a lot better job than I could on this show. But it has been so wonderful running the Facebook group and meeting thousands of monkeys fans literally all over the world and just getting to help build this community it's really your community but i get to help shepherd it in some ways it, on facebook and i just think to you know nine ten year old me sitting in my room all alone listening to my albums thinking nobody else in the world knows or cares about the monkeys and i'm just like hang on girl it it's coming don't worry. And I've met and I've met the best friends in my life through the monkeys and through Zilch. And I'm just honored to be a part of the story. Very good. Melanie Mitchell. I can't believe that I've been allowed to be a part of this. Um, Sarah, you talk about ten year old you. You know, I was feeling that way just a few years ago when I fell down the monkey hole and, and thought I was all by myself. Um, couldn't find anyone else to to share my enthusiasm until I discovered the fans online and to be part of what Zilch has built is just amazing. And I can't believe I just took part in this album round table. It's still <laughs> kind of stunning. <laughs> well, wow. Amazing. Well, thank you all for being part of this. And we'd like to salute all the monkeys past, present, new and mature. We love you all. And, um, uh, we dedicate every episode to anybody who ever worked on the television show, loved the television show, ever heard a song that the monkeys did and they loved, ever saw them on tour. We, we cannot say enough that this is dedicated to all of you and all of the fans. Every episode is yours. So go buy the album. Go get it right now. Put your pink party hat on. Go see John down at Amoeba. Tell him that uh, Necessity sent you and so did Zilch. Always take some time to monkey around and go see Andrew Sandoval and the Monkees out on the 50th anniversary tour as you wait for your Blu-ray set. 
Here we go. We will be back with some guest stars coming up. We have Annabelle Jones and Bobby Hart lined up and a few other surprises. And we will do part two of a Good Times Roundtable discussion with Jeff Geringer, Melinda Flowers-Gildert, and some other Zilch All-Stars. So look forward to that. We thank you. Keep monkeying around. See you on the next episode of Zilch, a podcast full of monkeys. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Hey, gang, good job, everyone. I have to run, though. Okay, bye. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Thank you I got so much. Too. Take right. it easy. All right. That was a lot of bye, fun, Craig. guys. All right. It was. Bye. Bye. Save the recording. <laughs> Don't now. Now, really, everybody cool it, because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? If you look at the Classic Monkeys album, Side 2 kind of goes on a psychedelic trip, right? Hold on, hold on. The uh, dog agrees. Yeah, John, 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 could you say that last thing when the dog started barking again? Yeah. James Grant, who's going to be on the show, and the and, and the dryer goes off, and the, and the turn that off, Eric. Can, uh, can you have the dog fold the clothes, please? Yeah, the dog's going to fold the clothes <laughs> next. Um... <laughs>